Oh, it's good to be in the house of the Lord. It's good to be with you all this morning. Well, the longest series that I've ever preached. And I have been, I've, been, I've been loving it. I've been just into it and reading and, and growing and learning. And, and uh, I pray that you have been too through the, uh, the upside down, right? We're talking about kingdom living. Kids, bye. <laughs> Online, send your kids into another room. That's really fun. <laughs> Sorry, I forgot the slide. Go ahead, kids. Have a good time in children's church. Pray for your children's workers. If you are, uh, if you are joining us online this morning, I've had several that uh, are, are inquiring about our church. We do have an awesome children's program, and they'll go back and they'll do some fun stuff, and they'll, they'll learn about uh, God's Word and, and keep it in their hearts, and you know He'll never return void, so that Word will stay in there. It's pretty cool stuff, um, but have a good time, kids. Now we, we hit the reset button, and um, this series called The Upside Down, how kingdom living is sort of upside down, right? Uh, the first shall be last kind of thing, the last shall be first, and, and, and we said that blessed are the poor in spirit. Well, how can that be? And we unpack these Beatitudes, Jesus' first sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, so up until now, he had been, he had been out and, and dealing with temptation in the, in the wilderness, and he'd been dealing with other things personally here on this earth. But this is the first time that Jesus gets up to speak to a multitude, to a crowd of people. And, and this is his first sermon, and it's up on a mountainside, and he says, all right, these are the ways that you will be blessed. He's, he's sort of opens up his sermon with the, with, the, with, the, with, the, with the cliff notes in the beginning and says, this is how we're going to unpack this. And he lays it all out. And, and Jesus, being, being the ultimate preacher, right, starts out with, a, with an eight-point message. And not a three-point, but an eight-point. And he gets up there and he says in the Sermon on the Mount, he says, okay, we're going to walk through some things. And, and we're working through the Beatitudes and we're reading that. In Matthew chapter 5, if you remember, we're, we're kind of camped out right there. And, and I encourage you to read throughout the week a little bit before, a little bit ahead, uh, to see sort of how he sets this whole thing up, and then how he kind of moves forward past the Beatitudes. But we're, we're looking at this sermon that Jesus preached in Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7, and he's introducing a new way of life for people the, of, of the Old Testament, right? These are people that have, haven't heard from God in a long time, the closing of the Old Testament. God, we call that the silent years, those 400 or so years. 400 years! I mean, that, we, we read that in the Bible, you think, ah, it's 400 years. You think about how long 400 years is. And the people of God, through generations, have not heard from God. They were used to hearing from prophets and from, from people that have come through the, the ages and spoke to God's people and told them what God had to say to them. And then they, he, he sort of closed that line of communication off for several hundred years. And now Jesus arrives on the scene. And now we're walking into this New Testament, this new covenant and we kind of get there, and, it's, and it's, he's, he's got this new kingdom living that he starts to preach. And he gets in front of these people and starts to tell them about these eight Beatitudes. And today is, today is number six. So if you've missed the first five, it's okay. You can go back and listen online. You can read back. You can do your own study however you want to do it. 
But one of the things that we've taught, just to sort of bring you up to speed, is that each of these Beatitudes is a stepping stone, right? You can't get from one to two to two to three without having done the ones before. So you have to kind of go, you can't get to number two unless you've kind of been on number one for a little while. It's this idea of of stepping stones. Um, So the first one, remember, was blessed are the poor in spirit. And poor in spirit kind of means to beg almost. It means when you reach a point in your life where where you've been here long enough on the planet and you reach a point that you realize that you're absolutely nothing without God and you literally beg, you cry out to Him for everything in your life because you know it's just you and Him and, and we have to get to that place in order to go to the second stepping stone and to get to a place the blessed are those who mourn. We mourn because you realize who God is and who you are and, and you mourn over your own failures and your own sin and, and you're deeply, you have this deep sense of, 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 of I'm sorry God and we, we mourn over that but you're, and you're wanting to change and we said that the, the people who mourn that God will comfort you. So you, you feel that. You sort of get that desperation in God. You're a holy God, and I am sure not. And God gets you to that place, and you think, you know what? What now, God? And then God sends His Holy Spirit, and, and He gives you this comfort. And He'll bring you that inner peace. He will comfort you. He will restore you, redeem you. And the third stepping stone, blessed are those who are meek. Remember, you can't get to meekness until you've gotten those first two. You realize that, that you're, you've come to this place and now you've got this, this humility, but, it, but it's, it's strength under control, we said, right? Power under control. And, and then you have to take that and serve. And you have to take that humility and that meekness and serve those and empty yourself of self and live to make a difference. And then last, last time we talked about those that two times ago we talked about those who hunger and thirst for righteousness and you, you know you're over here serving and you get that meek gentle power going on and you realize that you're not saved by doing those good things and the only way you're saved is by the righteousness of God that he puts in you so you hunger and thirst for that righteousness so that's the stepping stone and all righteousness comes from God and then last week we looked at those who were blessed who are those who are merciful. And when you get here, you realize all that God has done for you and the times He's forgiven you, all the times He's been graceful toward you, and you simply pass that on to others. You pass that on, and then God will give you even more mercy. Remember, those who are, have a lot of mercy, give mercy away, and then you receive God's... It's kind of that eternal cycle of mercy. You realize all of this mercy that God has shown you, you share that with other people. And that's always a good thing to show others mercy. So now we come to the next beatitude, which is our text today. If you have your Bibles, chapter 5 of Matthew and verse 8. Uh, Matthew 8, 5, 8 says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see what? God. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Now when I get to this beatitude, I think, okay, how come this isn't earlier on in the sermon, Jesus? Like, what? not, not that I should tell Jesus how to preach. But how, how come this isn't earlier on? Like, how come that's not earlier on in the stepping stones? Well, God knows how to order the words, right? He knows how to do this. And when I thought about the stepping stones of the Beatitudes, it reminded me of that, that scripture that says that uh, that's the steps of a good man 
are ordered by the Lord. So God puts things in order. So he put this here for a reason. So after all that that has gone on, after you've lived your life on this planet, and you think back to those stepping stones we just reviewed, he wants to make sure that going forward, your heart remains pure. First of all, you have to realize that, that the heart we're talking about, let's unpack it a little bit. Blessed are the pure in heart. Okay, God, what, what, what about the heart, right? Well, your heart is actually a picture of the real you. Like people say, you know what? Let me know your heart on this. And then you kind of say, okay, here's, here's how I really feel about a certain subject, right? People want to know, what, what's your heart? You know, like they see someone doing a certain thing, you know, like I thought about, I thought about the, the Reverend Billy Graham, right? His heart was for the lost. His heart was for lost people and, and delivering those messages for such a time as he was doing that, right? The, that was the time to be doing that. We can't duplicate that today. We can't duplicate what he did during that time in history. But so the heart, I'm not talking about the the organ that's pumping, I'm talking about Billy Graham's, the heart of Billy Graham was for the lost. So blessed are the pure in heart. Your heart is a picture of the real you, sort of what you're about. And it's it's been almost 40 years. You gotta go all the way back to the 1985 And some of you will remember this, a skit that was performed on Saturday Night Live. And I know some of you watched it. Don't act like you didn't, you heathens. Nothing. I get nothing. It is lonely up here. Saturday Night Live skit, you'll all remember this. Billy Crystal. Anybody remember Billy Crystal? All right, there's a few. He played a character called Fernando Lama. And he said these words, You look... Marvelous! Some of you know it. Turn to your neighbor this morning and tell him, you look marvelous. Really, do it. You look marvelous. And you really do look marvelous here to this morning. But if we can strip away the outside, right? And the mask and the facade and the pretext and the pretense. And if we could kind of do a spiritual echocardiogram on your heart. What would we find? On the outside, we can look marvelous. But your heart reveals who you really are. In fact, thinking about Billy Graham and and looking a little bit about his history, there's an old joke that came to mind that was actually Billy Graham. And Billy Graham didn't tell too many jokes. But he told this joke one time, and, and so you have to laugh at it because it's Billy Graham. Uh, it's about a young college student, right? He, he applied for a job at the zoo. And we're talking about putting on a facade, right? Like, the heart is the real picture of who you are. And we're talking about you looking marvelous and putting on this on the outside. So there was a, a, a young college student who appro- applied for a job at a zoo. And the gorilla had died in the zoo. And they simply said, you know what? We need you to put on this gorilla suit. It's a very lifelike gorilla suit. Put on the gorilla suit. And stand there and just act like a gorilla. And so he did. And, and, and everyone who worked there said he was the very best gorilla you can imagine. And he had this suit on. He'd get in the cage and he yelled and he rattled the cages. And he, and he acted like, and everyone thought he was a gorilla. Like they were pulling it off. 
And one day he's over there at the door and he's shaking the cage door and the cage next to him was where the lion was. And he's shaking and shaking and the door busts open and busts loose. And the lion rushes in. And the guy in the gorilla suit, I mean, no longer is a gorilla. Hey, somebody help, help. He starts yelling this out, right? And he's, I'm only a man in a gorilla suit. You gotta, you gotta help me out. And the lion said, man, you better shut up. You're gonna get us both fired. Is that us? Are we one thing on the outside and something else on the inside? If you're a note taker, you might want to write this down. The heart. The word heart is used over 800 times in the, in the scriptures. It found 100 times. It's found in the book of Psalms alone. Be a great study sometime for you to just sort of read through the scriptures from beginning to end. And every time you see that word, highlight it with a particular color of highlighter and pay attention. Then when you read through the word, through, through God's word, you can see all the times you find this word heart in the Bible. And the word heart is a word that represents everything about you. It's, it's, it's your emotions, your intellect, your life. Your heart is a picture of the real you. In our text, Jesus announced, blessed are those of you who have a pure heart. So I want to begin talking about what it is. What, what, what is a pure heart? And first of all, let's look at the definition. There are numerous ways to, to find out what the definition of a pure heart is. There's a couple major thoughts when it comes to having a pure heart. And, and the first one is a heart that is sinless. Or a heart that is uncontaminated, if you will. Now what does it mean to be uncontaminated? It means that your heart is free from impurities. It's, there's no contaminants in your heart. There's no, there's no sort of filth from the world. There's no um, sort of... Uh, the system of the world has not infiltrated your heart. There's no sin. Now make no mistake about it. God wants your heart to be uncontaminated. He wants your heart to be uncontaminated. And it doesn't really matter. I mean, I know we have all these fights and arguments about uh, grace over sin and how that all works. And, you know, if you're saved or not saved. And all it doesn't really matter at this point in, in the talk, at this point in the, in this, in, in the definition of a pure heart. Um, if you could sit down and talk with Almighty God, God would say, my desire for you is that your heart be free from sin. That's His desire. Be free from sin, the sin of this world. Now the spiritual enemy of our soul, Satan has, uh, he wants to contaminate everything in your heart. That's the opposite of what God wants. He wants to contaminate everything in your heart. We look back to a place where God destroyed the world by a flood. Remember that back in Genesis chapter 6. And it says uh, that at that time, the Lord, the Lord saw how, the great, how great the wickedness of the human race was. And that every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was only evil at that time. Now we know your heart, right? The physical muscle that's inside, it is a muscle. The heart that's inside your chest, it pumps blood through your circulatory system. And it's amazing if you study the heart and how much it actually does for your, for your body and how much blood it pushes through. Those things, those numbers blow your mind when you start to look at that stuff. And as the blood goes through your body, it carries oxygen and nutrients to all of the vital organs in your body. And, the, and that's true. 
But in the Bible, the heart symbolizes your life. And what God wants is for your heart, your life, to be free. Free. Have you ever experienced freedom from from sin? Have you ever experienced that, that you don't carry around that, that guilt that's on your conscience? You don't carry around that, ah, oh, I remember that when I... Mm. You don't carry that around. It's actual freedom. God wants your heart, your life to be free. No greed, no lust, no selfishness, no pride, no hatred, no, bi- no bitterness, no prejudices, no immorality, no adultery, no idolatry of any kind. He doesn't want there to be any cursing, swearing, impurities, no unrighteousness. He wants none of that in your heart. He doesn't want any of that in your heart, which is your life. It was Jesus. Everybody say Jesus. Thank you. It was Jesus who said these words in Matthew chapter 15. He said, For out of the heart come evil thoughts, and murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, and slander. And then he says that those things are what defile a person. These things, one translation says, those are the things that can make a man unclean, not his unwashed hand. Jesus is saying, I don't care if your hands get dirty. I I care about is if your heart gets dirty. If you get dirty on the inside, he says. So we understand by definition, a pure heart has to do with having a heart that is uncontaminated by sin. But number two is the second meaning. And many scholars believe that this is actually what it really means. And and more so, um, the main meaning of having a pure heart is Having a heart that is single-focused. Single-focused, or what we call undivided. That your heart is solely fixed on God and the things of God. Now, I think that our hearts naturally are undivided. There's something that naturally happens. So you have certain sections, right, of your heart. You know, one is, is your job. When you go to work, you're a worker, you're an employer, you're a boss, you're working. You sort of compartmentalize that and you say, you know what, that's, that's, what, that's my job, that's my work, that's what I do. And nothing else really matters in that moment. You go to work, you do your job, you get off work, you go home to your family. And there's another compartment to your heart that just naturally happens. And there's this tension between work and home. You kind of have to take off the work, the work hat and put the home hat on. And then you have another section that's like your, your interests, your hobbies, what you do in your leisure time, things like that. And you have another compartment that's your own resources, the things you own. And all of these things take up time and take up a compartment in your own life. But most of us, and, and most of us have this secret compartment that nobody knows about. You know, what's going on in your life. We have another compartment that's called, called God. And we have a part of our life that's set aside for God. And we, we know we go to church, whether you're here today or not, uh, watching online, you give yourselves, you know, this, this section of your heart that is God. So you have these little, these little things. And, and to be pure in heart is, is what most scholars say, that you have to have this undivided heart, this single focused on God, which means when you have those compartments that we just spoke about, when you go to work, you're, you're there sitting at work, but you're trying to figure out how you can glorify God at work. 
or how you can honor God by the things you do in your free time, or, or when you're sitting at home with your family around the dinner table, you're looking at your family trying to figure out how can my family, how can we get involved, more involved in kingdom come, or, or how can we involve God in this? Um, you look at your finances, your resources, that other compartment in your life, and, and you say, you know, how can we steward those to serve God? And how can I really serve God through all that I do? So all of those, you might seem like we're divided. It's not divided because God, you want God to get the glory in all of it. There's a story in 1 Samuel 21, 21 and 22. And it's the, the story of David and Saul. And David was on the run and Saul was chasing after him. He was hiding out in different places and he ends up that he was captured, and they were bringing him before the enemy king, and, and David was in trouble. And he had to get out of this situation. And the Bible says, you can read about it in 1 Samuel 21, 22, when you have time. The Bible says that when David was sort of backed into a corner, when David was, was brought before, before this, this king, he said he acted like a madman. He just kind of said, you know, he acted like he was insane. He wasn't crazy, he wasn't insane, but he acted that way. And he starts banging on the door, and he went over to the wood of the doors, and he was making marks and scratching, and the Bible says he started slobbering, and the Bible says the saliva came down and was like flowing off his beard. He starts acting like this madman. And, and so the enemy king said, this guy's nothing but a madman, we've got to let him go. And so he escaped from Gath, which was a Philistine city, and he goes up to these mountains, and he gets into this cave called the Cave of Adullam. And I believe that everybody needs to get to a cave of Adullam. And he gets up in that cave and some 400 people go with him. And many scholars believe that David wrote Psalm number 57 when he was in the cave of Adullam. He, and he says this. And, and of course, David, you know, made, made several mistakes in his life. You can read through the life of David. He made tons of mistakes. But we know that the Bible says that he had a heart that was fixed on God. His heart was fixed on God. A heart that sought after God. It seems like he was always getting into trouble. But then when you come to Psalm chapter 57 and verse 7, again, he'd been in a difficult situation. He writes these words in Psalm 57. He says, My heart, O God, is steadfast. In fact, he says it twice. My heart is steadfast on you, O God. You see, David was always getting into some sort of trouble. But here's what we see. Whenever David got into trouble, he had this thing within him. He always refixed his heart on God. And whenever, whenever David refocused and refixed his heart on God, everything was okay again in his life. But whenever his heart drifted from God and drifted into other things, he got into trouble. So to be pure in heart means to be uncontaminated by the world, yes, but it also means to be undivided in our focus. Our focus. And just have a heart that is steadfast on God. Pure in heart. So the first word we think about when, when we say pure in heart is the definition. What's the definition of pure in heart? The second word that I think of when I hear pure in heart, when, I, when after I get past the definition and I realize these things are possible, well, that's just delightful. That's my second word, delightful. And it's a good word because Jesus said, blessed are the pure in heart. 
Remember, blessed means to be joyful, to be happy, to have this inner peace. And blessed means to be happy. We're talking about inner joy. Jesus says, you want to be blessed? You want to find joy? You want to really be blessed? You want to really have the hand of blessing, the God's hand of blessing in your life? How do I get that? You've got to be pure in heart. We're getting ahead of ourselves. I don't know if you ever noticed this, but in the Old Testament, the last word in the Old Testament, remember I told you there was this time in between the Testaments? Uh, The last word in the Old Testament is the word cursed. It's the very last word in the Old Testament. Some have that last word as destruction in Malachi. It's either cursed or destruction. If, If you're living under the Old Testament, let me tell you, we've determined this a few weeks ago, that you really are living underneath a curse. We believe in the New Testament, and we're living in the New Testament. And, and the very first word of the, new, of, of the sermon that Jesus preaches, right? There were some things that happened, genealogies, some calling of the disciples. But once Jesus gets up to preach into the masses, the first words that he used is blessed. So there's this, there's this contrast. The end of the Old Testament, cursed, destruction, the beginning of really what the New Testament church is, when Jesus preaches for the first time, blessed. In fact, don't, don't skip over the fact that God in heaven does in fact want to bless you. Don't skip over that. You know, God blessed, 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 blessed. He has all of these points in the Beatitudes. But the best part about all of that is you and I have a choice. We get to choose. It's your decision. You get to choose whether or not you're pure in heart. You get to choose that. As sure as I stand here and as sure as you sit there this morning, you get to choose if you, w- if you would like to be pure in heart. Or whether you have a contaminated heart. You get to choose. You get to choose whether or not you have a divided heart or an undivided heart. We talked about the gorilla, right? And the the guy in the gorilla suit, the guy in the lion suit. We get to choose. Is what we see on the outside what's going on on the inside? Your heart represents the true you. You get to choose whether you want to live a holy life or an unholy life, if you want that divided heart. You get to choose every single day if you're going to live this day with a life that's focused on God, a life that's dedicated to God. I know there's a lot of compartments and a lot of things that go on in your life. I get that. But you get to choose if you'll serve God in every single situation. You get to choose if you're going to have a heart that chases after God or a heart that chases after the things of this world. You get to choose. You get to choose. Are you going to spend the next few days of this week listening to the things that the world listens to? Watching the things that the world watches? Looking at the things that the world looks at? Speaking the way the world speaks? You get to choose. Will you have that divided heart? Or will you have a pure heart that's undivided? Or you get to choose. From here on out, you get to choose. You get to choose. Are you going to live like the world lives? And then when you come here, you're going to live like the church lives? Is it a divided heart? Or is it a pure heart? 
You get to choose the way you speak. Will you speak like the world speaks? Drop a couple of F-bombs here or there throughout the week, right? Ah, it's just how the office, just how the shop talks, just how we... You get to drink like the sailor when you're not in the presence of those people who might say, you know what, you probably shouldn't. Or are you going to choose to have a pure heart, an undivided heart? You get to choose. That's the great thing about God. He didn't create a bunch of robots and say, you have to live this way. You get to choose. And the result is, the Beatitudes, you get to choose if you want to be blessed by God. Because blessed are the pure in heart. You get to choose. Do you want to be blessed, happy, or do you want to be miserable? Would you like to lay your head down on a pillow at night and sleep like a baby knowing that the hand of God has blessed you and blessed your family? Or do you want to be up all night long, broken, searching, struggling, looking for that next answer, looking for an answer in a relationship or an answer in the next addiction or or whatever it is, the next enslavement, the next thing that you're focused on. You get to choose. You know, most of us are like, most of us are like that cat or that dog that just runs around chasing its own tail. Right? Do you ever wonder what, what's going through that cat's mind? I know what's going through its mind. Planning your demise. That's what cats do. But if you've ever seen a cat chasing its own tail, you're just, are you kidding me? Chasing after something it wants, it's got to get it, it's got to, something it thinks it needs. Chasing after something that it will never really ever reach. It's like you can't lick your elbow. You can chase it all day. But you can't get there. And if you can, you're freaky. like to see that. But it's chasing after something you'll never accomplish. You'll never reach it. And I think God looks at us sometimes and He says, You know what? Look at them chasing their tails. All these things that they think they need, they think they want, and all the while the secret to having everything in life, the secret to having God's hand of blessing upon your life, upon your marriage, upon your family, it goes back to having a pure heart. To be single focused on the things of God. In the very next chapter, in the middle of his sermon, that's where we're going. He starts talking about all the people who worry about things. The very next chapter, after he says, oh, bless, 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 and he starts to get it on in his sermon, in the middle of it he says, there's all these people who worry about all these things. I think, you know, one of the greatest sins we deal with is pride, right? Let's, not, let's call it what it is. Pride, who, we, who do we think we are. So, but, but right next to pride, right under that, maybe one notch, I think one of the great sins is the sin that we worry about everything. He says, be anxious for nothing. You ever looked around how many people live in constant fear? I don't mean just recently. I mean that throughout their lives. They walk around, walk around worried, 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 worried all day, every day. It's one thing to be concerned about a situation or concerned about something that's happening, but they will just walk around worried, 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 worried. In fact, chapter 6 in Matthew tells us that y'all got to stop worrying about the things of the world. He says in Matthew 6.33, and that's where we are, seek first the kingdom And His righteousness. 
Seek first the things of God and everything else will take care of itself. What we really need to understand is that everything in this life is fleeting. Everything in this life is temporary. Everything. Everything in this world will one day burn up. The Bible says. Everything will be gone. The only thing that will matter are the things that were done in the name of Jesus. It's the only thing that will matter. The only thing that will last. The things that were done for the kingdom of God. The building up of the kingdom. Those are the things. There are times in my life as I'm sure there are times in your life where who you are, your heart, right, grows a little bit cold, grows a little indifferent. You know, situations come, life comes, and sometimes it piles on. I understand. The world starts to creep in, and and you know how I can tell? I can tell by the words that I speak. I can tell what comes out of this right here, where my heart is. I can tell by my deeds, my decisions, and that when that happens, I know I need to get back into God's Word. I need to get back into the Word. I need to get back. I I love, I can listen to some worship music that that is rich in theology and Scripture, and I can listen to that. Get back to worshiping God. I need to get back to seeking God first, as the Scripture says. Seek God first, His kingdom and His righteousness. Get back to having that uncontaminated heart. The best part about it is we get to choose. So that when I make those decisions, I mean it's, it's like, a, like a river. And I feel this sense of God's blessing on my life when you sort of say, you know what God, I need to refocus. I need to be undivided, uncontaminated, living for you. And so the first word we study this pure in heart was the definition. The second word is delight. The last word I have for you this morning is dazzling. I love that word. It's just dazzling. If somebody should write a book on the dazzling power of God. Because this beatitude tells us something that is absolutely amazing, astounding, and stunning. It's mind-blowing. If you make these decisions, this is part B of the scripture, blessed are the pure in heart. And, and if you make those decisions, your choices to focus on Him, and you have that undivided, solely focused heart on God, you will be blessed. But something more in this beatitude you will see God. Well, hang on, that's different than we talked about before. Blessed are those who are poor in spirit. This, and you have these results. This one says that if you have a pure heart, you will see God. Think about that. I mean, again, it doesn't matter in the context of what I'm getting ready to say. It doesn't matter this morning if you're watching or listening or here. If you're saved or not saved, if you're a Christian or an atheist, it doesn't matter in what I'm about to say. It really doesn't matter if you're a Christian struggling with, with issues or you've been on the fence with God or you're not sure. It doesn't, there, there's, there's something about being pure in heart. It, contrasting that with having that sin, that dark 
heart, the sin that binds, that blinds, that calluses one's heart. 2 Corinthians verse 4. 2 Corinthians 4. That the God here, little g, that the God of this age, that's not God, it's little g, right? That's the devil, that's Satan. The God of this age is a name for for the enemy. Has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. And that might be some of us, some of you right now, who are watching or sitting here this morning, you haven't understood one word I said this morning because your mind has been blinded. You say, I want to understand, I want to see God. Do you? Blessed are the poor in spirit, for they will see God. You say to me, Pastor, I want to see God. Do you? Really? If the answer is yes, if you say to me, Pastor, you you sure you want to see God? Yes, I do. If your answer is yes, well, is your heart contaminated? Is your heart divided? You would say, yeah, you know, I, I do some things. and Well, you've got to have a pure heart to see God. That's what, the, that's what this beatitude says. Stop pursuing the things of this world and start pursuing the things of God and you will see God. Remember a few weeks ago we talked about, talked about the ticker? The ticker ticking? And right now the ticker's ticking. And right now if you're upright in this room for sure, that ticker's ticking. And every beat of that heart, God is giving you another day. Every single beat, the ticker's ticking. You're giving you another day. The best part about that is, when that ticker's still ticking, He's giving you another day, and He's giving you another choice. Another choice. Today, might be your last day. You might live another 10 days. You might live another 10 years. You might live another 10 decades. But your day's coming when that ticker is going to stop ticking. As long as you have breath, you can get ready. And as long as you're here today, and that thing's ticking, you have a choice to fully commit yourself to God, the pure in heart. If you're engaged in any kind of a sin, I don't care what it is, and you know we're all good at justifying, and and you've got to stop. You've got to stop. Start living for God. There's no two ways about it. There, you, a pure heart. Get your eyes back in the Word. Get back around the fellowship of believers. Very important. Because if your heart is pure, one day, you will see God. I know it's a lot to take in. And I know it's kind of like 
Maybe not how the world thinks for sure. The world thinks that, well, the better performer I am, the more I do good things, then I will see God. Then I get that reward. Well, that's upside down thinking. The actual truth is, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. What is being pure in heart? Having an uncontaminated, regenerated heart. Only Jesus can give you that. And having an undivided heart. Only God can sustain that. None of us is promised tomorrow. None of us. Take some time this morning as we bring it all to a close. Take inventory of your heart, not the actual muscle that's pumping, but take inventory of your heart. Do you have a pure heart? It's your choice. That's the good news. You don't have to hope someday you'll see God. You don't have to hope someday you'll meet Him face to face. That's a scary thought if you don't know Him. You don't have to hope someday. The Bible says that you can know. You can know. So you have a choice this morning. Would you stand? As we bring it to a close, I'm going to challenge you with this this morning. If you heard those words in the Scriptures this morning, I love that Jesus says, He who has an ear, let him hear. Most of you I see this morning have ears. He wasn't talking about physical. If you have physical ears, the things that produce sound in your head. He basically was saying, hey, listen up. (laughs) Listen up. He says, it's your choice. It's your choice this morning. You can know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you will one day see God and stand in His presence. Jesus says that in order to stand in His presence, someone came to Jesus one day and said, "How? what must I do to be saved? That question's been asked throughout the scriptures. How do I, how do, I do this? What do I, how do I do this? And basically, I think it correlates all back to being pure in heart. How do I have a pure heart? That same question could have been asked. How do I have a pure heart? Because one day, I want to see God. bow your heads with me this morning won't embarrass anybody or anything like that but if you would just bow your heads no one looking around the choice is yours this morning and we'll close with that choice
Maybe the Holy Spirit has spoken to you this morning and the Holy Spirit has said to you, now is the time to make the choice. You can't live with one foot in the world and one foot in the kingdom. It doesn't work that way. That's not pure in heart. That's divided. Jesus says, will you make that choice? to be pure in heart so that one day you will see God, you can stand before Him, not with your own righteousness, but because of of what Jesus did for you, the provider, you'll be able to stand stand before God with the righteousness of Christ. To solve the conundrum, the problem of the contaminated heart, First, you have to admit to yourself and to God that you are a sinner, that you have sin in your life, sin in your heart. The good news is it doesn't stop there. That you believe that Jesus died for that sin. And that when you come to Jesus with that sin, He forgives you of those sins, that sin. And then you are a new creation. The old is gone, the Bible says, and the new has come. And then all you need to do is confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. Believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. It says, believe in your heart. This word heart throughout the scriptures is so powerful. And so I ask you this morning, I tell you this morning, with heads bowed this morning, that it's your choice. It's your choice. If you make that choice to follow Jesus this morning, and whatever that's going to look like from this day forward, God will be faithful. He will guide you through. But if you'd like to make that choice to follow Him and finally give Jesus the authority in your life, clean up that contaminated heart. (laughs) You come to Him as you are. Bring together that divided heart so that it's undivided. And every uh, compartment in your life, every aspect of your life is now living for Him. Heads bowed this morning and eyes closed, I'd give you the opportunity. If you've never actually made Jesus the Lord of your life, this is your opportunity. Just slip your hand up and say, Pastor, I want you to pray for me. That's a decision that I need to make this morning. I need to live for Him and not for me. You're not promised tomorrow. The pure in heart will see God. If that's you, raise your hand here this morning. If you're joining us online, put something down in the comments saying, that's what I need. That I need Jesus. Father, I thank You for meeting us here this morning. I thank you, Lord, for speaking to our hearts through the Holy Spirit. And I pray, Lord, that if anyone leaves here the same as they came in, that, Lord, they would be challenged by this word that you've spoken this morning 
through your servant. And that, Lord, we would all be changed because we've heard from the Holy Spirit this morning. God, go with us as we leave this place, but let us not depart from your presence. We love you and we thank you for speaking to us, Lord, fresh and anew this morning. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. And everyone agreed saying amen and amen. God bless you all. Amen.